G'day and welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC. So thanks very much to both of those groups. Now, if your mates miss the shows at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either SoundCloud or iTunes. And don't forget the CFRC also has their podcast section now with Grad Chat being featured on it. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. So today, I would like to introduce you to Susan Baisley. Susan is doing a PhD in Geography under the supervision of Dr. Brian Osborne and Dr. Joan Schwartz. So welcome to Grad Chat, Susan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's really good. We have a lot of students now. I don't have to go out and search necessarily for students. Now they come and find me, which is awesome because this is a good opportunity to practice speaking about your research. And of course, we all want to know what's going on in the research here at Queen's. So I appreciate you coming on for that. So with that, though, your research topic. Now you're in geography and geography can encompass a lot of different areas, more than what I used to think geography was in high school. There's a lot more to it. And your topic is changing heritage practice on the Rideau Canal and the Kingston Fortifications World Heritage Site. So firstly, what is heritage and what does world heritage mean to everybody? Okay, well, I think we all have a concept of what heritage is and we know that it relates to things in the past, but it really encompasses a lot of different things. So it can be be a historic site, it can be a building of some sort, a cultural landscape, an archaeological site. So anything that really relates to our past and Really, it's the way we think about that heritage. So I'm mentioning cultural heritage, but it could also be natural heritage. So sometimes we we forget about the natural component. And so cultural heritage and natural heritage can sometimes be together in in one site or one landscape. So it's really the way we look at the past and those things that we value. So something that I value could be very different from something that you value, or we might value the same things. So when we think about heritage, particularly in Canada, we're going to have lots of different views of what's important and what it means to us. So it's really the way we value those places and also a little bit about the way we present those places in particular to the public. It can be very personal or it could be on a national scope. So things across Canada, we've got regional, local, very personal stuff but also things that are important to us as Canadians. Because we actually have um, heritage ministries and things, don't we? Yes, we do. We have federal and we also have provincial. And also you can find within municipalities, for instance, the city of Kingston has a culture department that also encompasses heritage aspects within our historic city. And who who decides those, um, which regions should have a heritage? Well, a lot of it is dictated by legislation. Okay. So... Most of our legislation relates to provincial. Okay. Um, So we are governed, heritage generally is governed by the province's laws. Um, The city of Kingston itself does have some aspects that guide heritage resources. Right. But those fall within the guidelines of the province. So, for instance, when you hear about Heritage Kingston, the group within the city that deals with historic buildings, buildings that have been designated municipally. So that's under the purview of the province. 
province. The same thing with archaeology comes under the provincial guidelines. But then we have the national level yes, as well. Yes. So in Kingston, we've got a lot of national historic sites. Is that because we were one of the first places to be settled? And I know, I mean, heritage doesn't just mean European heritage. It also is an indigenous heritage. That's right. So is that, but is that why Kingston has a lot? Because of, you know, the first parliament was here and things like that. Well, Kingston certainly has its fair share, or I should probably say more than its fair share of, of national historic sites. But you're right. It, it relates to primarily to European settlement, but it is a very historic place. Mm-hmm. It's been settled for a long time. There is a lot of evidence of indigenous people living here, and we see that archaeologically, but we also see that today with the different groups that we know of that have been here for a very, very long time, long before Europeans yes. settled. Yes. But also we do have early European settlement. So the French were here in 1673. Right. Right. So that, that puts European settlement as well back quite far. So then what makes it make something go from a national or provincial and then national to a world heritage site? Well, that's a great question. When we think of world heritage, I think we probably think more about those fantastic sites elsewhere in the world. Right, yes. So So for for me, it would be something like the pyramids and stuff like that. Exactly. Pompeii. Pompeii, yes. Pompeii, great site, mostly archaeological, but there's also some structures that have survived. The Great Wall of China. Right. Yeah. Uh, Hadrian's Wall. Hadrian's Walls, boundaries. The the big things. The big things. Very obvious. Exactly. Do they have to be obvious? Well, they don't have to be obvious. And I think that's where Canada fits in with Canadian World Heritage Sites. And I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, if you were to stop <laughs> 10 people randomly on campus and say, could you name me three World Heritage Sites in Canada? Hmm. I am betting people would be hard pressed to do that. Yes. But if you said, maybe name me three World Heritage Sites in the world, people would probably come up with those, the, the ones, ones we we've mentioned, mentioned hmm. possibly other other places, depending on their their interests and, and where they've traveled to. Right, right. So we often, again, don't ascribe value to things that are in our own backyard. Right. And so for Canadian sites, to think of them as being on par with those sites we've mentioned, I think people would be taken aback a little. Right. So I'll just name a couple of Canadian ones, I love perhaps. that, yes, because that would be good for me because I'm always wanting to learn new things, so that's great. Then we can place the site I'm looking at right. within that context. Perfect. Okay, Perfect. so um, you've probably heard of Lanso Meadows. Yes, I have actually, yes. Right, so that's the Viking settlement yes. in Newfoundland. Yes, I visited that last summer. Excellent. So you know what I'm talking about. I do. So we think, again, we think about, wow, Viking sites, really cool. Um, But often we're not thinking about them in Canada. Because we don't hear a lot about Vikings in Canada other than there. Exactly. So Viking settlement in Newfoundland quite early on. It's an archaeological site, though. Right. Yes. So again, when we're talking about archaeological sites, unless there's a physical three-dimensional presence there, it's much easier to think about a building, a structure. As opposed to when you, the other part you mentioned is like the natural heritage. Right. So moving on to another one. Excellent. That has, we can think of, that has a bit of more natural and it's also what we would call an indigenous site right. it's much older than other Canadian sites head smashed in buffalo jump where the heck is that <laughs> Sounds fantastic. I think that's in Alberta. In Alberta? What a great name, though. And, well, if you think about it, if you break down the name, you can kind of get an idea of 
what it is. So we've got buffalo. Right. So that's on the plains somewhere. We've got jump. So if you can imagine the the buffalo jumping, they're actually being driven off the end of a really steep cliff. This is all about the hunt. This is about survival. Ah, right. So this is about people driving the buffalo off the edge of the cliff. They fall over and, of course, smash their heads in. Right. And and you have the carcasses there to be butchered for people to have their food, to use the skins for clothing and the various other parts of the animals. Right. And this is, again, an incredible archaeological site that was discovered. But you can also conceive of the natural aspects Mm -hmm. of of this site. And so it's, it's a world heritage. Site. It's a very important place in terms of world values. Right. Yes. Right. So a couple of other places that maybe are more familiar to people is the historic district of Quebec City. Oh, I love old Quebec City. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yes, I can see that. Quebec celebrated the 400th anniversary of its founding a few years ago. There for that too. Right. Oh, so no. see, you've been to, you've been to <laughs> some world heritage sites in Canada and Lunenburg, another right, place, yes. the historic town of Lunenburg, and perhaps another one that's a little more difficult for people to get to. Certainly, I've tried to go and not been not able quite. to get there, but in Labrador. Red Bay, the Basque whaling station. Okay. So, again, another natural resource, a natural site in a way, because the whaling industry was huge, huge, exactly. And again, it's hard for us to conceive of needing to use, for instance, whale oil Mm -hmm. for lighting. Right. So, natural resources being used by people to survive culturally. Right. And again, it's a really important site. Red Bay has a land component and an underwater component as well so you get okay. into marine archaeology right. I'm, I'm kind of favoring the archaeological sites here a little because bit that's because that's your, your my background, background. Yes, so I know. how about that <laughs> right so then when we think about the Rideau Canal yes. I think most people have some familiarity with the Rideau Canal it's of course used for recreation now people yes. can boat from Kingston to Ottawa and anywhere in between but most people don't know that it has another huge component that relates to Kingston and that is the fortifications aspect. Right. Because the right. Rideau Canal started off its life as a military transportation route. Can I can I go back one step there? Yeah. With the Rideau Canal, a lot of the times particularly in Europe, a canal is made just, as a, like you said, as a waterway to get from one, one waterway to another, make it easier. Was the Rideau Canal man-made or was it actually a natural? Great question. The Rideau Canal or the Rideau Waterway or transportation route was actually a series of natural lakes, okay. small rivers, portages. Right. So Indigenous people were using this route or parts of this route for a very long time. Right. But the, where the canal comes comes in is the interconnecting of all of those naturally existing bodies of water. Right. So okay. the canal pieces, if you want to think of them as, as sections, mm-hmm. join that waterway or that older okay. route together in a, a yes, very much a man-made fashion. Right. Okay. So yeah. I just needed to clarify on that because you never quite know sometimes what was there first. (laughs) Right. So when we think about the Rideau Canal and Kingston Fortifications World Heritage Site, because the fortifications are very important in terms of defending that route. So when we think about that as a World Heritage Site, it has to have outstanding universal value. So I think it's pretty easy when we think about some of those other sites we've mentioned to see how they fit within the universal value 
value aspect. And then thinking about the canal and the fortifications and how they fit. They were a really important part of Canadian history and linked to European history right. as well. Right. And so there's also the Indigenous factor because Indigenous peoples help helped the engineers, the Royal Engineers and the British military and okay. the laborers right. to survey and find their way and right. get the route get the route right in a sense. Right. So it's really, there are values to so many people and it's mm-hmm. outstanding, has to be outstanding. So this is an incredible feat of engineering. So, but there's the canal part and you said the other fortifications. So I'm, the other fortifications, I'm assuming you're talking about the Murney Towers and Fort Henry. Are there other ones in there that I should be? Well, there's four Martello Towers. Well, oh, Martello. Why do yeah. I call them Murney Towers? Because Murney Tower is the museum that's open to the public. Oh, okay. And Fair it's, enough. it's sort okay. of the, the common one and so right. people refer to all the towers as Murney Towers. Okay, they are actually all named individually. Okay, <laughs> they got do it. have names and they but they are Martello Towers. Right. And these are a very strong type of fortification which were seen along the Mediterranean. And so they, they actually go back quite far. Mm, right. And the British military saw these in action and thought, hmm, this is a really good type of structure to build. Right. They get built all over the world, essentially. Right. And right. so we have four here in Kingston. Quebec City has some Martello Towers as well. Yes, it would do. Yeah. Yes, yes. I think one thing that we're lucky for here in Kingston, of course, we have um, the limestone. That's right. Which makes them very, very strong, which always makes me laugh when I see Fort Henry here, beautiful structure, and then you go to Toronto and it's made out of sticks. <laughs> because that was what was available. That's right. That's <laughs> what was available. It's also a different time period. Right. So if if you think of Fort Henry, the Fort Henry we have now, that was built actually later than the wooden fort. Oh, is that right? So there was okay. a wooden there was a wooden to fortification here in, okay. during the War of 1812. Right. So Fort York, which is in Toronto, yes. relates to that earlier period, the War of 1812 period. If we transport ourselves in time back to the War of 1812 in Kingston, we would also see those wooden type of fortifications. Okay. So Fort Henry at the time um, did eventually have stone structures in it, but there was uh, an earlier battery, gun battery, which was constructed of wood and dirt okay. and soil and right. turf. And you have blockhouses, wooden blockhouses surrounding Kingston. Those would have all been... So, and I know I'm digressing a little bit here, sorry no, about that's this. that's okay. But so why would, because from what you're telling me, what we have in Kingston is World Heritage. Is Fort York a World Heritage site in Toronto? No, it's not. Okay, so what makes one, and I guess it's to do with the fortification, the mall with the canal and everything and is a big right. part of it. So what makes ours World Heritage and little old Fort York not? Not. <laughs> not. <laughs> right. Well, when you think about the designation of the Rideau Canal and of the fortifications, if we think of nationally, the Rideau Canal is a national historic site. Mm-hmm. Fort Henry is a national historic historic site. The Kingston fortifications are national historic sites. So we've got a, a multiple number of national historic sites In which a very together area. yeah mm-hmm. which together were presented for world heritage status. Now when you think about the canal itself, it's about the canal and the construction of the canal and the engineering of the canal because it's so quite that's, so spectacular. That's the, that's the important part then, it's the canal. That's one of the important 
parts. So the fortifications, though, are an integral part of protecting the canal. Okay. So again, at a time, so if we're thinking about the War of 1812 has just finished. Yeah. There's still hostilities to the south of us. Right. There's still a great fear that the Americans will come across the border because, you know, we have the longest undefended border in the world. Mm -hmm. And so there's still there's still fears at that time. So the British were intent on building a safe inland waterway, a route, a a protected route. The St. Lawrence River, if you look at a map, the St. Lawrence River is really quite narrow. And all that right. divides what's now Canada from the United States. So those right. hostilities are still very fresh in the minds of the British military. And they needed to get troops. They needed to get supplies. This is the lifeline right. of British North and America. You, and you couldn't just go down the St. Lawrence because the, no. the Americans are on the other side. So you need an, an, an alternate route. That's right. And that's that's why we see the Rideau Canal being constructed. So that's the engineered right. parts, the engineered landscape, right. getting vessels back and forth up to an area that is a little bit further away, still accessible from Montreal. Right. But you don't have to come along the St. Lawrence River from Montreal and from Quebec and essentially from Britain or any other parts of the British Empire at the time. time. So it's crucial for the supply lines. And I know, again, it's difficult for us to sort of think about, well, well, the the Rideau Canal, it's great. You can see all these boats. It's really cool. You can go hiking. You can see stuff along there. You can go birding and, and whatever. And so for us today, it's a great site. It is it's a great, a great place. And, and we can experience it on the water. We can right. experience it on the land. Or we can go to Fort Henry and experience what life was like in the 1860s in the fort. Right. We can go to the towers and see what life was like because people did live in the towers. More likely soldiers and their families. Yes. But you can also see the armaments of the time right. and get a feel for, well, we're looking out the windows of this fort and perhaps those Americans are coming across the water and, well, we've got these guns here. <laughs> so it's a really good way to understand life at that period in time. Is it a World Heritage sites more... have to, Does a site have to be a certain age to be considered under the World Heritage? Because, I mean, another couple of summers ago, I went to Dubrovnik, and that's a World Heritage yes, site is. and things. I mean, and that's got a lot of history too. Does it have to be a certain age period to be considered? No. There's there's no age-specific relation to these sites. It's part of it, but certainly when you think of the Rideau Canal and Kingston fortifications, we're talking about the first quarter of the 19th century. That's right. And when you compare that to some of the other amazing World heritage sites around the world, you could say, well, does it really, how does it weigh? But it goes back to those outstanding universal values to people across the world. And in this case, it's the engineering and the defense of Of essentially of North America. So it was really forward forward thinking at that time. Exactly, exactly. Because as you say, there are canals all around the world. Yes. Are they as special? Are they as important? Well, they certainly historically would have had their importance at the time, whether they're related to industry or defense mm. or whatever it is. There's definitely value, but it's improving that value to everybody in the world. That's the that. important part of the World Heritage designation. So when did Kingston actually get, or sorry, not Kingston, the Rideau Canal and fortifications, when did we actually get World Heritage? I uh, believe that was in 2007. Oh, 
it's not that long ago then. No, no. Wow. No, it's not that long. Does someone have to put put it forward? Yes. Package has to be put together that complies with the standards that um, UNESCO puts forward. Okay. It also has to be endorsed by the government of that country. So right. there's extensive involvement with the government. So in this case, it's Parks Canada that put they together the package okay. and the nomination. Yes. Oh, that's good. And so then how do we keep it? Because can we keep it? Do we have to keep putting something forward again? Or is it, I mean, is it, is it for life now? Or Well, that's a great away? question because if you look at the UNESCO uh, website, uh, you can actually see a list of all of the World Heritage Sites. And if as you scroll through, you'll notice some have been delisted. Okay. And there are other sites that are denoted as being under threat. So one would would have been like Dubrovnik when it went through that. And That's right. My understanding is with that World Heritage Site, because it was a World Heritage Site, money got put back in to try and put it back to its former glory. That's right. So it's responsibility of the country that those sites are in to maintain the sites right. and to maintain their reasons for the designation. One of the big things, so there's the money aspect. Right. So that's a huge part. It's maintenance and, and keeping the mm-hmm. site uh, in good condition. But one of the other things that you see with a lot of World Heritage Sites, particularly in the urban cores, is development. So development right. pressures. Mm-hmm. So when we think of these sites, it's not just the physical fabric. It's not just the site itself. You've also got landscapes. You've also got viewscapes. Right. Right. So if you can no longer see the site from certain critical views, right. critical areas, you're losing that ability to see the site for what it was at the time it was constructed or the time of its importance. So development along, let's say, for instance, the canal, you know, we've got the Ottawa end, which is quite right. starting to be quite built up. You've got lots of different communities in between right. that can build, not close up, but certainly there's there's development pressures even here in Kingston. Well, in our short more, stretch. More boats wanting to come down the canal. Do they eventually update the system, which puts the old system out? That's right. And so part of the reason that the, the canal was seen as being important is it's got most of its original hardware. Mm. You know, you see the guys and girls cranking those cranks to open up the gates and fill the water. There's only one small section of the canal that was modernized, I believe, okay. in the late 1960s, just before Parks Canada took it over. And we see the sort of the tourism aspect being developed. So for commercial shipping, yeah, updating would have been really important. So why did you want to look at this particular area? Because at the end of the day, you're doing research. We already know this is a fantastic site. But why do you want to bring it further out? What are you trying to do with this? Well, what I'm trying to look at is how people use the site Mm -hmm. and how they value it and whether the way in which it's being used today compared to the past or potentially in the future is going to affect the World Heritage designation. Okay. So some, for instance, some of those development pressures, some of the changes in the ways we're seeing the site being used, just give you an example of the most recent with Fort Fright at Fort Henry. Right. So that's a use that is not showing it off for its, its reasons for being designated as a World Heritage Site. Is right. that Does that have a positive or a negative effect? How do people see that? How do they use it? Is it still 
just a place where people want to see the military reenactments, which of course right. it's famous for. Yes. Or should it just be a place where we have beer festivals and weddings and those those sorts of things? Right. So really, I wanted to gauge how whether the landscape is changing, whether people value it for different reasons. So Fort Henry is just one tiny piece. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at different parts along the canal, I'm looking at the Martello Towers. Of course, we've only got one that is an active museum right now, and it's being upgraded. It's going that's on right. It's closed. It's closed for the season, yes. and it's and it's being taken care of. It's physical aspects are being taken care of. Fort Frederick, which is at the Royal Military College okay. on, on Point Frederick, is also undergoing some some work now, much needed work. And of course, you mentioned the stonework. Yes, and that is a, such a problem in our in our weather. Winter is horrendously hard on on right. these historic structures. The canal, I know though, was engineered so perfectly and so beautifully that even though there still needs to be regular maintenance, its construction was so fabulous. It's it's not shifting. It's not that's brilliant. being, yeah. It, and that's, again, part of, that's, you know, an attestation to those engineers, in particular right. Colonel Bai, who, of course, was not treated very well at the end of the construction oh. because he went so far over budget. Oh. But he's left us with this but wonderful legacy. Exactly. There's a, there's so many different factors. So I, I wanted to try and, and look at how all these things play into one another and whether whether we're going to sort of be satisfied with just the whole virtual landscape and being able to look at this on our mm-hmm. computers, or how much does the actual physical place, the place itself, what meaning does that have to us? Because I must admit, world heritage aside, I hate going into places where there's obviously something fantastic there that has been for instance, I'm talking about buildings, I guess, that has been built in the past. And then depending on the government at the time, whether it's within the city or the province or whatever, suddenly the the requirements or what you can do just goes out the door. Like yeah. We do have a lot of historical places here in Kingston, which is fantastic. But you have to fight each time not to suddenly have another high rise put in place. Right. And all that sort of thing. And what I, what it has been nice. There's still a lot of waterfront that a lot of us can still use. It would be nice if there's even more, so we can all enjoy it. But I hate suddenly seeing high rises going. I go, that has just totally changed the landscape. Yeah, it does. It does change the landscape. But we also have to think about it in terms of compatibility mm-hmm. and the future and the way we look back. Now, did people living in the 1820s and in 1830s? think about their landscape as being right. fabulous. Probably they were probably not. pretty upset that there probably was stuff I've got going a long on. way to go on my horse and cart to get to the town. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And when will they fix these roads? Yes. So yes, I guess it's all relative, isn't it, it? It is relative, but it's also important to find the correct balance. Well, I think that's the important thing because I'm, I'd like to think if it is being designated World Heritage, which means both provincial and federal have got behind it, that if nothing else, that would help us protect development. Yeah. It, other development. Other development. Say. And, I mean, what's important to people in terms of where they live do they want to live, I mean, is it really a value to live in a place that's full of high rises and you can't see the water and you can't see your heritage sites? And and it's mm-hmm. maybe, I, from my perspective, I think that's pretty miserable. Yes. But we know people have to live somewhere. Right. But you've got to take into account the quality of life. Right. And if heritage has a special way of contributing to that quality of life and increasing that quality of life, then we have to make sure that we do protect it in some ways. Yeah. And of course, that means there needs 
needs to be input from the public right. and it has to be discussed. And perhaps it's changing. Perhaps it changes over time. And that's really what this this research is about, looking right. at that looking change at that. in value. Well, I'm, I'm hoping because I know the Rideau Canal is fabulous and I see the boats go up and down. They often go up to the mill and stuff like that and always look at what's going on. It's fantastic. And obviously people are enjoying the use of the canal. And likewise with the fortifications that we have here in Kingston, it's normally the first thing people think about when they come in, let's go and see Fort Henry or, or one yeah. of the towers and things like that. So I think as a city itself, I'd like to think we can keep that heritage status, that world heritage status yes. for a, lo- a long time to come. Yes. But it's... bringing it forward to making it more public, I think is going to be super, super important. Shouldn't just take it for granted. If we don't keep it in the forefront, who knows what other government will do next or development. Well, that's right. We also need to keep in mind that people, other people want to see these things. Yes. And tourism is also a huge factor that right. plays into World Heritage. You and I have both been to many World Heritage sites yes. around the world, as, as we're finding out. And it's nice to actually live in one. Exactly. And so the whole taking it for granted part, mm-hmm. I think it's important for us to, first of all, recognize that we live in a very special place. Right. And we, in a sense, have been entrusted with the stewardship of this heritage for people around the world. Right. So the tourism aspect is important for us to think about because it, it, it's a huge factor playing into this. Well, all I can say with that is... With your work that you're doing, let's keep it out there in front so people for people to see because it's going to be super, super important for all of us, I know. Yes. So thank you for that. It's, uh, it's something, you know, I talked about before where geography is, is, encompasses all sorts of things. This is a very, very important one, which I wouldn't have thought was geography, but it is, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> and it's good that you're on it. Thank you. So thank you very much for bringing that to the forefront. And everyone out there, don't forget, we are very lucky where we're living right now. So we've got some beautiful buildings and beautiful canals and things that we should be very, very proud of. And I would like to think uh, everyone's children's and children after them will be able to benefit from that as well. So thank you for bringing that forward to us. I appreciate you. you coming on. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it, everyone. Another week of Grad Chat has come to an end. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. This show is produced in collaboration with CFRC at Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario, with infrastructure support from Queen's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Find more great podcasts at podcasts.cfrc.ca.